0: Hello friends, this is Pastor Tim Reynolds with Bible Truth for Living. Thank you for tuning in today. We'll be in Numbers chapter six after this announcement. I'd like to tell you about something exciting we have planned coming up on Sunday, March the 24th. Uh, this will be the uh, the Sunday leading up to the coming great North American eclipse that will occur uh, in the month of April. So on March the 24th, we have a guest speaker from the Institute for Creation Research, Brother Dave Napier. He's going to be with us, and he's going to be uh, bringing a message regarding uh, the eclipse and God's creation. He'll have several materials with him. And uh, we'll also be discussing uh, the prophetic relevance of this eclipse occurring this year. Just some interesting details and uh, something I think you'll find very interesting. So if you do not have a home church, we invite you to Mount Vernon Baptist Temple. Of course, every Sunday we uh, begin at 930 with uh, classes for all ages and then 10 o'clock our morning worship service on that particular day, Sunday, March the 24th uh, at 10 a.m. will be when Brother Napier will be speaking and uh, we invite you to that service and uh, then we always have Sunday evening service at six o'clock and excuse me Beginning in March, we will have Wednesday evening service again at 6 o'clock. So just want to tell you about that. You'll be hearing more about the eclipse. We're getting closer and closer uh, to that event, and uh, we're excited about this, and uh, we want to get the word out, so we invite you to come and be with us Sunday, March the 24th, as we will be discussing the great North American eclipse at Malvern Baptist Temple in our 10 o'clock Sunday morning service. Today's message is part two of last week's message, The Power of the Priestly Blessing. I'm going to read it again. It's found in Numbers chapter 6 and verse 22. The Bible says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and unto his son, saying, On this wise you shall bless the children of Israel, saying unto them, The Lord bless thee and keep thee, the Lord make his face shine upon thee, and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. The story is a told of a man named Mr. Yates who owned a farm in Texas during the Great Depression. Mr. Yates was behind on payments on his farm, and the bank gave him 30 days or face foreclosure. With just a few days remaining, a man came and knocked on Mr. Yates' door. He introduced himself and said, I'm with the oil company. And I'd like to know if our company could lease some of your land to drill for oil. Well, Mr. Yates was expecting to lose the farm anyway, so he decided, why not go ahead and do that? And when they did, the oil company hit a gusher that would eventually produce 82,000 barrels of oil a day. Mr. Yates now suddenly became a multimillionaire many times over. Now, the question is, when did Mr. Yates actually become a millionaire? Was it when they struck oil or when he bought the farm? (laughs) Well, the answer is he actually was a millionaire the moment he bought the farm, but his ignorance of what was beneath the ground all along is what kept him in financial stress and poverty. The reason I tell you that little illustration, that story, is because I believe many Christians are spiritually stressed, spiritually weak, and spiritually poor because they do not realize the untapped blessings that God has provided them. They're thinking, well, I'll get a blessing, why not I eventually get to heaven? And that is true. But there are some things you are blessed with right now, and I want to share those with us as we look at the next part here of the Priestly Blessing. Now, in the last uh, message, we looked at the primary application of the priestly blessing. That is for the nation of Israel, and we'll be comparing and contrasting that today. But we're going to focus really on the principled application of the priestly blessing, not for Israel, but for New Testament believers. Please understand this, that just because something is in the Old Testament, and just because it primarily applies to Israel— does not mean that it is not relevant and applicable to all believers today. Unfortunately, there are some who would say, well, the Old Testament, that's just Old Covenant. You don't need to study it. You don't need to pay attention to it. Just just concern yourself with the New Testament. No, everything from Genesis to Revelation is relevant, and it all points to the Lord Jesus Christ. So with that in mind, we're going to look here at part two of the power of the priestly blessing. The first thing I want us to notice now is the conduit of the blessing. Now, for Israel, it was Aaron the high priest who was the conduit or the channel of blessing from God to his people. Notice there God tells Moses, speak to Aaron, that would be Moses' brother, who was the first high priest of Israel, and to his sons. They would be carrying on that spiritual legacy On this wise shalt thou bless the children of Israel. Now, God's chain of command was that he would tell the high priest, and the high priest then would take the message to the people. But what I want you to know as a New Testament believer, a Christian, is that we have a greater high priest than Aaron. Now, we find that in the book of Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. The Bible says, Seeing then that we, we Christians, have a great high priest, That is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession. So that tells us right there, Jesus is our great high priest. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. You see, our high priest is greater because he was touched. He he knew what it was like to be lonely and to be hungry and to be weary. He was touched with those things, but he did that without sin. Why? Because he was the sinless son of God. One reason Jesus Christ, our high priest, is greater than Israel's high priest Aaron is that our high priest is sinless. He that knew no sin became sin on the cross so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And because of that, verse 16 says, let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. See, Jesus Christ, our high priest, gives us access to God. Here's another scripture in Hebrews chapter 7 and, uh, and verse 26. For such a high priest, referring to Christ, became us, became human flesh, who is holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners. Now, Aaron wasn't separate from sinners, okay? He was a sinner too. But Jesus, our great high priest, was not. And made higher than the heavens... Now listen to verse 27, who, speaking of Christ, needeth not daily as those high priests, the high priest in the Old Testament, to offer up sacrifice first for his own sins and then for the people's. You see, Aaron not only uh, was a sinner himself, but Aaron had to make sacrifices for his own sins. Well, Jesus was not a sinner and Jesus became the sacrifice. The rest of verse 27 says, for this he did once, only one time Christ had to die on the cross when he offered up himself. So beloved, I want you to know that we have a greater high priest because our high priest uh, is not a sinner and he became the sacrifice for your sins and mine. Now, not only that, but this is rather interesting. And maybe you've never heard of this before, but we as New Testament believers have also been granted priesthood. If you are saved and on your way to heaven, you are a priest. We call it the priesthood of the believer. Now, is that in the Bible? Well, absolutely, because I wouldn't tell you something or teach it if I couldn't back it up with scripture. First Peter chapter two and verse five. The apostle Peter writes uh, to believers, you also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Now we don't offer up bulls and goats and those things like the Old Testament priest, we, we offer spiritual sacrifices. You say, Pastor Tim, what, what are those? Well, those are things such as when we go to church, whenever we pray, we read our Bible, we witness, we obey the Lord. That's a spiritual sacrifice, all right? We're doing those things that are pleasing to God. And uh, so we are, we are in the priesthood. Here, here's another verse, verse 9. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. So you as a Christian have a greater high priest in Christ, and he has granted you to be part of the priesthood, which means this, you can go to God 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and have full access to God without having to go to any other human being. Now, you can go uh, to someone else, a friend, a neighbor, or your preacher, and say, would you pray for me? You can do that. But I'm no closer to God than you are you're a priest as well. Well, let me give you one more scripture, Revelation chapter 1 and, uh, and verse 5. Here's what the Bible tells us in Revelation 1 and verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father." So without taking any classes, without uh, reaching some spiritually elite level, if you are saved, you are a priest, which gives you access to God any time that you would like to, all right? And so first of all, we see the conduit of blessing. Now we're going to look at the call to the blessing. Now, if you remember last week, I shared uh, that there are six parts of the priestly blessing. We're going to contrast these now with Israel and how they apply to us today. So, the first part of the blessing says, The Lord bless thee. Now, Israel as a nation receives physical blessings from God. Why? Because of his covenant relationship with Abraham and his offspring. All right. But we, as part of the new Testament church and new Testament believers, we receive spiritual blessings. Paul writes about this in the book of Ephesians chapter one, Ephesians chapter one. And uh, in verse three says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now, what are these spiritual blessings? Well, I'm going to give seven of them to you just that are here in this one chapter. This is not an exhaustive list. You have many more than seven spiritual blessings, but I'm going to just uh, pick a few here because they're all in this one chapter in just a few verses. First of all, you are blessed if you're saved because he chose us. Chapter 1, verse 4, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. Number two, he has declared us holy that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Number three, he adopted us into his family, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. Number four, he has accepted us. Verse six, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. Number five, he redeemed us. This is in verse 7, in whom we have redemption through his blood. That means we've been purchased with the precious, sinless blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Number 6, he forgave us. The second part of verse 7 says, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. You've been forgiven. Number 7, he has provided us an inheritance. Verse 11, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. Not will one day we already have. So there are just seven of the spiritual blessings that you have right now as a child of God that ought to excite you. Now, the Lord bless thee. Number two, and keep thee. That's the next part of the blessing. Well, in regards to Israel, God has kept and preserved a remnant of his earthly people throughout all of history, and he will continue to do so until the second coming when Christ returns to this earth. What about us as New Testament believers? Well, we are kept and preserved by God as well. Same chapter, Ephesians 1, verse 13. In whom you also trusted after that you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. In whom also after that you believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So when you got saved, the Holy Spirit sealed that. All right? That's why we believe the Bible teaches you are eternally secure in your salvation because you don't earn it and you don't keep it. He keeps it. Ephesians 4 and verse 30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed until the day of redemption, like you would seal a mason jar or seal a Ziploc bag. Your salvation is sealed and secure in the Lord Jesus Christ. The third part of the blessing says, the Lord make his face shine upon thee. Now for Israel, that meant God's favor and God's presence. God's presence. We illustrated that with Moses. When he came down from Mount Sinai, his face shone so much so that he had to put a veil over his face because his face glowed so much. Now, what about us? Well, when you talk about the Lord making his face shine, it means that we as Christians have received the light of the gospel of salvation. Second Corinthians chapter four. And uh, in verse 3, but if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world, Satan, hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image or the face of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servants for Jesus sake for God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the here it is in the face of Jesus Christ If you are saved, you have been exposed to the light of the gospel, you accepted that into your heart, and it is the gospel, the good news, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ that brings salvation to the sinner. Number four, the next part, the fourth part of the priestly blessing says, and be gracious unto thee. For Israel, that meant God's unmerited, undeserved favor for eventual national salvation. Eventually, the remnant of Jews who are alive when Jesus Christ returns. In the book of Zechariah, the Bible says when Jesus returns, they will look upon him whom they have pierced. National salvation will come to Israel. That's in in Romans chapter 11, as well, for you and me, it means God's unmerited, undeserved favor for personal salvation. Again, back to the scripture, Ephesians chapter two and verse four, but God who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace, you are saved. Verse eight says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast grace is something that God gives as a gift we don't deserve it we don't earn it God says you can have it alright so be gracious unto thee the fifth part of the priestly blessing says the Lord lift up his countenance upon thee for Israel that meant the smile and the approval of God well for us it means God approves of us not because of our goodness, but because of our acceptance of his son. Peter, in his inaugural sermon on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2 and verse 28, said, Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. I don't know about you, but I want God to smile upon me. And he smiles upon me, not because I'm good, but because I've accepted his son for salvation. And then the sixth and final part of the priestly blessing says, and give thee peace. Now, again, for Israel, that meant uh, well-being, even in times of war and times of problems, that it would be well with them nationally. For us, it means we have peace with God through Christ. Now, I want to talk about two aspects of this this matter of peace. First of all, for the sinner, the unbeliever, if you've never trusted Christ, the first thing that must happen is there must be peace made with God. How do you make peace with God? Well, you don't do that by saying, God, you need to agree to my terms and we'll make peace or even uh, we'll, we'll meet halfway. It doesn't work that way. You have to accept God's terms. Peace has to be made with God. How do you do that? Go to church, be a good person, uh, give to charity? No, those things won't bring peace with God. Only one thing does that, and that is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Romans 5 and verse 1, therefore being justified or made righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, before you were saved, Before I was saved, we were at odds with God. But then we get peace with God when we accept Christ as our personal Savior. And then not only do we have the peace with God, but then we get the peace of God. Uh, You know, there will come a time in your life, you may be there right now, where you need the peace of God in the middle of a storm. Well, you can have that if peace has been made with God, you now have access to peace of God. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6, be careful or anxious, stressed out for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. So let's say you're struggling financially. What do you do? You pray about it. You seek the Lord's will and, and uh, Lord, I, I really need you here. Here's, here's, my, here's my issue. Now, verse seven says, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. That means a peace that you can't explain. A peace that the world would look at and say, well, he should be falling apart. How, how are they holding it together? Well, because you have the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, if you haven't picked up on this yet, you should. The gospel is all over the priestly blessing. Everything is because of Christ. So we have peace with God because of Christ, and then we get the peace of God because of Christ. If you're saved and you're going through some struggles and just because you're saved doesn't mean you won't have troubles. You may have more of them, but you can have the peace of God, which passeth all understanding because of your relationship with Christ. Now, here's the last thing I want to share. And that is the completeness of the blessing. God ends this in uh, number six and verse 27 with two statements. First of all, he mentions his identification. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel. Now, Israel, let me remind you, is God's earthly people who receive earthly promises because of their being the offspring of Abraham goes all the way back to that covenant in Genesis chapter 12. We as believers are God's spiritual people with spiritual promises. I shared that in Ephesians chapter one, but here's another scripture, revelation chapter three, and verse 10, this is a proof text that the, uh, the church, those who are saved, will not be on the earth during the tribulation period, because that is a time of judgment of God on the unbelieving world. Listen now to Revelation 3, verse 10. These are the words of Jesus, because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation or trial, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth behold I come quickly hold thou fast that which thou hast that no man take thy crown make uh, or rather him that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God and he shall go no more out and I will write upon him the name of my God this is for believers alright and the name of the city of my God which is New Jerusalem which cometh down out of heaven from my God and I will write upon him my new name there's a Unique name that will be written on believers when we are caught up and meet the Lord in the air. All right. Identification always means that there's an attachment, there's an ownership. And Jesus Christ identifies with those who have trusted in him. And then lastly, we see the invitation. In verse 27, he says, I will bless them. Now, again, Israel receives earthly blessings, they have not received that yet. Uh, If you listened to last week's program, uh, we looked at how Israel will receive that blessing completely in the kingdom age when Christ establishes his kingdom on the earth. What about believers? Well, we receive our complete blessing when we get to heaven and two things occur, all right? We've talked about the seven-year tribulation period that will take place on the earth after the rapture. Now, we know what's going on on the earth, but what's taking place in heaven? Well, two things in particular, all right? Number one, an event called the marriage supper of the Lamb. We, as the bride of Christ, will be united with the groom, Christ, and there will be a celebration supper, a marriage supper. It's in Revelation 19, verse 9. And he saith unto me, "Right, blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so he invites, you're called to this marriage supper. If you're saved right now, you have a seat, you have a place setting at the marriage supper of the Lamb. In the mind of God, you're already there, all right? He, he is outside of time. But for us, it's this is a future thing that will occur. Something else that happens is the judgment seat of Christ, and that is when all believers receive our reward. We receive rewards for the things we've done for Christ after we were saved, not just how much we've done, but our attitude behind it. God's not impressed with the the numbers and those sorts of things that sometimes we look at. He's interested in our heart, in our attitude behind uh, what we do for him. And so we will receive the blessing of rewards as well when we get to heaven. Now, I like the fact that the invitation is still given. Did you know there's a great invitation in the last chapter of the Bible? It's in Revelation 22 and verse 17. Here's the great invitation. And the spirit and the bride say, come, and let him that heareth say, come, and let him that is athirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely." Beloved, that invitation is available to you today. God is still inviting people. The day will come when the invitation is over. There's no other opportunity. But right now, that opportunity is still available for you. If you have not accepted that, you need to accept it. But I want to warn you, you cannot go to heaven on your own terms. You have to accept the terms of Christ. You know, the credit card companies, they'll send out these things that you are pre-approved and you're pre-qualified uh, for their credit. And uh, But part of that is you have to accept their terms. Now, their terms will just put you deeper in debt. You know, 20% interest, well, that'll put you in debt. All right, that's their terms. But when you accept God's terms for salvation, you get freedom. Now, what are the terms? Well, here they are. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. God's terms are this. Number one, you must admit that you're a sinner. Number two, you must believe Jesus Christ died and rose again for your sins. And then number three, you must ask him to save you. You can pray something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And Lord, I know that I've, I've done some things in my life I'm not proud of and God, I just repent of that today. And I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and to save me. And the moment you do that, according to the scripture, you are born again. Why? Because you've accepted God's terms for salvation. Hey, if you did that today, we'd like to rejoice with you. Give us a give us a, a note maybe in the mail and let us know, hey, I accepted Christ and uh, we'd love to rejoice with you. That's the most important thing. It has to be on his terms. We can't do it our way. It has to be God's way. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I pray the message was a help to you and uh, we look forward to being with you at our next appointed time. Until then, this is Pastor Tim Reynolds saying, may God bless you is my prayer.